0: read um, our scripture this morning from Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 uh, to chapter 2 verse 10. Um, It's it's a passage, as we'll see, that often gets skipped in Jonah, um, but it's a really important passage. This is what the word of the Lord says in Jonah chapter 1 verse 17. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths of the sea, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah on to the dry land. The word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is true, that your word is authoritative for our lives. And I pray that as we open up Jonah chapter two today, I pray, spirit, that you would prepare our hearts for what you have for us and speak to us this morning. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear in your name. Amen. You can have a seat. So last week we started a series in the book of Jonah called When God Doesn't Make Sense. And the reality is at some point in our lives, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you will have a moment where God doesn't make sense. You will have a moment, you will have a situation. It may be that you're sitting um, in your bedroom and you get a phone call that you just did not expect. That you're sitting in a doctor's office and you get news that you just did not see coming. Or maybe it's when you're sitting in your car and you realize that you just walked out of a meeting at work that you really didn't expect to happen. At some point in our lives, there will be something that happens in a relationship with our health, with our finances, that that just totally catches us off guard. And in that moment, what we do and how we respond and how we react, especially in our relationship with God, has enormous implications for us. Now, If you're like me, it's very easy to trust God when things are going well. It's really easy to do that when when your health is good, when your finances are good. But oftentimes, really what we're doing when things are good is we're not trusting God. We're just thinking we're doing a great job. But when things start to go off the rails, that's when we start to question where God is. And those questions are real and those questions are deep. But what do you do when life doesn't go the way that you planned out? there's a good chance that if you look back on your life, there have been moments where you thought, you know what, I, I just didn't see my life ending up here. I thought my job would be different. I thought my family would be different. I thought relationships would be different. I really didn't think I'd end up living here. I really didn't think I'd end up living there. I really didn't expect this to happen. See, all throughout our lives, just like Jonah, there are moments when God doesn't make sense. And one of the things I appreciated about Jonah, as I mentioned last week, Most of the prophet books in the Old Testament are written about the message that God has for the people. See, a prophet in the Old Testament was the person that would go usually to the nation of Israel, but sometimes to other nations to speak what God had for them. But the book of Jonah is really about Jonah. It's about the prophet's interaction with God and really Jonah's frustration and anger with God. I mean, the book of Jonah is filled with with just Jonah being stubborn, being childish, as we're going to see today. I mean, he's just angry with God. In in chapter four, he he just starts having a pity party and just saying, well, you know, I can't believe how good you are. I'm so frustrated with how nice you are to other people, basically. I mean, so Jonah, one of the things I've always gravitated towards this book of the Bible, because it's so relatable. I, I see myself in Jonah so many times, unfortunately. And as I said last week, if you don't know who Jonah is, Jonah was a prophet who lived about 700 BC. Now, in this time, he was part of the inner circle of King Jeroboam II. Now, he was as the inner circle. I mean, so he was somebody who had a lot of influence in the kingdom. He was getting a lot of wealth in the kingdom, especially as we saw last week. He bought an entire boat, which is an enormous expense. So Jonah is somebody that that good things are happening. Okay? And so God tells him, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to preach against the people. Now, I want you to picture this for a moment. This is the equivalent, in a lot of ways, of us feeling like God calling us to go into work tomorrow and tell everybody who's sitting there, you're a sinner. Okay? This is not the way to gain friends and influence people right? And in fact, Nineveh is one of the superpowers of the day. They're one of the sworn enemies of Israel. This doesn't at all move Jonah's life forward. This doesn't move his career forward. And so instead of going to Nineveh, which is 500 miles to the north, he gets on a boat, buys a boat, and goes 2,500 miles to Tarshish. Now, what's fascinating to me is that Jonah could have stayed put. He could have just folded his arms and just said, I'm not going. But in his stubbornness, I mean, he was so obstinate. I mean, he was like a little toddler who was like going the other way. You know, I mean, kind of like, I mean, if you've ever had that moment as a parent where you said, okay, we're going here, and your toddler's like, no, we're not. And you're like, I'm going to stand right here. Have you ever done this as a parent, especially in the grocery store? I'm not moving until, come here. And what does your toddler do? They don't normally walk to you. They're like, cool, that's awesome. You're going to stay right there. I'm going to go the other way. That's basically Jonah. So Jonah gets on a boat, buys the boat, and God hurls a storm at the boat. And here's the amazing thing. Jonah just sleeps, sleeps through the whole storm. The sailors are, are crying out to their gods. They're, they're praying, they're throwing things overboard. The captain of the ship wakes Jonah up and says, hey, you know, cry out to your God. And I, you know, I don't know who you worship, but cry out to him. Maybe, maybe it'll stop. And Jonah chapter one ends with not only the sailors throwing Jonah over the boat, but it says that all of the sailors worshiped God and made vows to God. Now, here's why this is important, because especially when God doesn't make sense, we struggle to believe that God is at work around us. When things are difficult, we struggle to believe that God is actually doing good things or on the move or Redeeming things. When, when relationships are difficult, we struggle to believe that God could actually redeem our marriage or friendship or the broken places of our hearts. And Jonah chapter 1 ends with Jonah in the sea, thrown overboard, they calm, the calm, the sea calms, and the sailors worship God. And so then, we're told one of the most unbelievable verses in the Bible. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, it says, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, this verse, one of the, this, one of the reasons this is uh, really hard sometimes to read is because this verse stops us in our tracks. For some of us, we read this and go, yeah, I totally believe that God sent a fish, a real fish, and it swallowed Jonah. Other people look at this and go, do you really believe that happened? Is that even possible? Could God really do that? And so there's all this debate within historians and theologians as to whether or not Jonah is real, whether or not Jonah's an allegory. I'll share in a couple minutes why I think Jonah's real. But the point of that is, whether it's real or an allegory, I don't know that it really changes the message of Jonah. But here's why I think it's real. We look at this verse, and this verse seems pretty impossible. It seems crazy, honestly. But let me ask you this. Do you have any prayer right now that you're praying that seems impossible? Probably. I bet you have a family member or a friend that if you're a follower of Jesus and they're not, and you're praying for their salvation, and it seems impossible, Maybe it's a child that's just walked away. Maybe you have a heartache that just seems impossible to heal. Maybe you have a health issue that seems absolutely impossible and you don't know what to do. See, one of the reasons I believe that this is real is because we pray impossible prayers to the God who does the impossible things. And so does this seem impossible? From my perspective, absolutely. In the same way that the things that I've prayed over my lifetime in the moment seemed impossible. We've all had moments where we've sat there and said, God, unless you do something. Unless you step in. And so Jonah is this reminder that the impossible is possible. But it says the Lord appointed a fish and swallowed Jonah. See, Jonah was called to go to Nineveh. God sent a storm. God is trying to get Jonah's attention. He's in the middle of a crisis. And then Jonah finally does what he should have done all along. We're told in Jonah chapter two, he prays. Now here's what's interesting about his prayer is that his prayer is actually not his words. Here's what's interesting about the prayer that Jonah prays. They are actually taken from 11 different Psalms. Now Jonah, like many of us, is in a situation where he doesn't know what to pray. You ever had this moment where you just think, I have no idea what to pray in this moment. I don't know if I'm asking... God to heal this person or for God to make his will done because what if his will isn't for them to get healed? And there are moments in our lives where we struggle to know what to pray. And one of the things we see throughout scripture and throughout church history is that when people don't know what to pray, they turn to the Psalms and pray the Psalms. And the Psalms become just a way for us to voice to God the things that are in our hearts and our souls, but the things that we struggle to give words to. And so Jonah compiles 11 psalms in his prayer. And this is what it says in verse chapter one. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress and he answered me. I cried out for help from, the, from deep inside Sheol and you heard my voice. When you, speaking of God, when you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithless love But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. Now, I want you to picture this for a moment as Jonah prays this. I want you to picture, here's Jonah in a cramped fish. I mean, imagine what it smelled like. Like just imagine like the worst like dumpster ocean smell, and then just multiply that and throw in some diapers just to like get it all the way there. Are you picturing this? I mean, he's cramped. I mean, I'm trying to figure out like if he, if this great fish could swallow him, or were there other like live animals in this fish as well, being digested. I mean, he says there's seaweed all around me. It's dark. The earth has been shut out from me. And he prays. But here's what's interesting to me that I've always just been fascinated by. Is look at verse 17 again. It says, he was in the fish three days and three nights. And then Jonah prayed. Now here, here's why this verse is always just captivated me. Just, because I just picture Jonah for three days just going, I'm not talking to you, God. We'll see. I mean, he's that child, right? I mean, if you're a parent, you've had this child and maybe you have more than one child in your family like this, where you look at them and you say, we're not leaving this table till you finish your food. And Jonah's just like, I'm not talking to you. And what does God do? Okay. I have eternity. Pool, and he just waits. Now here's why this verse has always just grabbed me because some of us today, we are in we're in the fish, we are in the dark place. We're in the place where life has not gone, how we expected it to go. We are in the place right now where God doesn't make sense. See, Jonah is here because He didn't get what he thought he deserved, what he wanted, what he thought God should give to him. See, this is for for some of us, here's some of the equivalents. This is the longing for healing that hasn't come yet. This is the longing for a child that hasn't come. This is the longing for a marriage that hasn't arrived. This is the longing for a child to come back that hasn't. This is the longing for a heartache that won't go away. This is the longing for one more conversation. This is, I thought I would be this popular in high school. I thought I would have this much money by now. I really thought I would be CEO and running things by now. I really thought that my kids were going to be like this. I really expected my spouse to be like this. I really thought retirement would be like this. That's the fish. That's the dark fish. You know, and even as I thought about this passage, you know, for me, I was in this place about two years ago. Where two years ago, I thought for sure I was going to be in Tucson for the rest of my life. I was absolutely convinced of it. And I thought that we were going to stay there. And God made it really clear, you're not going to be here forever. But he didn't say what was next. And so there's just all of this loss that happens in that and all of this grief and all that anxiety of just, okay, well, if it's not this, then, then what is it? And then God seems to go silent and just waits in that moment. And notice Jonah just sits there for three days and three nights. And I wonder what he did. Like I wonder how he brooded. You know how he. You know. Did he? Did he yell at the wall? Did it, You know? Did he yell at God? Did you just sit there in silence? And the reason I think this verse is so important and I'm so thankful it's in the Bible is because when you and I are in the place where we don't feel like praying to God, the scripture reminds us he waits graciously and patiently for us. And if you're in the place right now where you just say, God, not only do I not have the words, but I am so angry and frustrated that I don't want to talk to you, you're in the same place as Jonah. And God doesn't leave you in that place. God doesn't walk away and say, okay, well, when you're ready, like, I'll come back. He doesn't say that. No, he continues to work. And I don't know if Jonah prayed out of desperation. I don't know if he tried everything else to get out of the fish and then just said, okay, finally, like, I'll try praying and see what happens. Like, I I don't know. We're never told. We're just told he sat there for three days and three nights and then prayed. And in that prayer, he prays in distress. And he says, I am in the belly of Sheol, which is the Hebrew word for hell. I mean, and this is, a, this is a really great picture of not only where Jonah felt like he was, but also where he probably just, how he felt. Where he says, this is dark, this is death, this is, this is the end. And I love how he says, I called to the Lord and he answered me. See, God didn't look at him and say, hey, you know what? Like, you didn't talk to me for three days. Like, I'll I'll be back. He He didn't do that. It says, Jonah called to the Lord and immediately the Lord answered him. We're not told what he answered him. We're not told what he said. But he answered him. And this is a reminder that no matter how dark it gets, no matter how hard it gets, when we call to God, he answers us. And what does Jonah do? He calls to God with scripture. He calls out and he says, I cried out and you heard my voice. I called out, you heard my voice. I cried out and you heard my voice. He says, you have banished me from your sight, yet I will look once more toward you. And he talks about how he's been overcome and all of these things. And then he ends. Then he ends. I, I love this last line in verse nine. It's just a culmination of the prayer salvation belongs to the Lord. He said, salvation belongs to the Lord. Grace, deliverance, rescue belongs to God. See, what he's saying, I think this is a little bit of Jonah beginning to turn a little bit because Jonah wanted Tarshish. He wanted the easy life. He wanted to be sitting there on the beach with beautiful white sand and umbrellas in his drink. That's what he wanted. You and I have different things in our life that we want. And we would really like God to get on board with our plan and sign at the bottom that it's a good plan. We all have a Tarshish in our life that we're hoping for. And Jonah says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Notice he doesn't say, I got exactly what I wanted. No, and this is what's important. The word salvation also means rescue and deliverance. The rescue belongs to the Lord. The deliverance belongs to the Lord. Your salvation, your rescue, your hope, your grace that you receive from God belongs to God. This is why I think Jonah 2 is bigger than Jonah. You see, in the Gospel of Matthew, when the Pharisees came to Jesus and they asked him for a sign for his power and his authority. And he answered this in Matthew 12, verse 39. He says, an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And so Jesus says, Jonah is this foreshadowing of my death, burial, and resurrection, That's why Jonah 2 says salvation, rescue, deliverance belongs to the Lord. That we are rescued in Jesus. That Jonah is rescued. And even still, it's not, this is, here's the other amazing thing. Look at verse 10. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. That's still, he doesn't get to walk out. It's just fascinating to me. I mean, it's like, it's still just difficult. It's still disgusting. But here's here's what I don't want us to miss. The dark place that we're in, the death that we often feel in our faith journey, coming out of that will also be really messy. I mean, we, like, as we think about all the miracles that we hold to as followers of Jesus, and in a few weeks as we just celebrate and remember the resurrection of Jesus on Easter, I mean, Jesus was dead for three days. I mean, so the connection of Jesus walking out of the grave, the smell, and just the connection, the, the word picture of vomiting Jonah out of the fish. Like, we just, we just kind of push over all of that. And, and here's why I think all of this imagery is really, really important. is because as we walk through things that feel like death, we feel alone. We feel forgotten by God. We feel abandoned by God. And yet, in those places, many times, we are exactly where God wants us to be, and we are seeing God at work in the places that feel like death. Notice, God raised Jesus from the dead. God vomited Jonah out of the fish. So just because you are in the place right now that feels like you are walking through death in your life and relationships and career and finances and health does not mean that you are walking without God. Just because it's hard doesn't mean that you're walking without God. And here's a couple of things as we just, Close. that I don't want us to miss because it's easy to, it's easy in Jonah 2, I think, to, to get caught up in, in the discussion about the fish, but I don't want us to miss these things. There's three things I think we see from Jonah 2. The first is God hears you. God hears you. If you are in the dark place, the alone place, the stinking like a fish place, God hears you. If you are in the place where everybody else around you got the life that you thought you were supposed to get, God hears you. God is with you. God has not abandoned you just because God is silent. Notice in three days, we're not told that God said anything. Jonah just sat there. And all throughout Scripture, there are preparation seasons that everybody has. Jonah has three days, Jesus spends 40 days in the wilderness. Moses gets 40 years. So all of us are like, man, I'd really like three. I'll take three days of silence, but some of us get 40 years of preparation. Some of us get 40 years, 40 days. Some of us get a long, long time. The apostle Paul shipwrecked out on the open sea. Just because you are in this place does not mean you are alone. God hears you. God is with you even when you run from him, even when you walk away from him, even when you go in the other direction like Jonah did, God comes after you. And and let me share this. If you're in this place of wondering, how do I pray to God in this place of frustration? How do I pray to God in this place where I'm just angry? I want to encourage you every week, we, we send out a next step email. And tomorrow. Um, If you check the Next Step email box, we're going to send out, how do you pray to God in frustration? How do you pray to God when you're angry? How do you pray to God when he feels silent? Because there are some really key things we see in Jonah's life and prayer that that we're going to unpack. The second thing, God hears you. The second thing is rescue does come. The end does come. The fish vomits you out. The wilderness does end. I don't know when. I don't know when rescue will come, and I don't know how rescue will come in your life, but the rescue does come. The darkness does end. And the last thing, Pastor Rich Philotis said this. He said, Jonah is not saved because he remembered the Lord, but because the Lord remembered him. See, you and I are not saved because we remember God. You and I are not saved because we pray the right words or say the right things to God. We are saved because God does not forget you. We are saved because God does not forget who you are. Jonah is saved not because he cried out to God finally, but because God knew where he was and didn't forget Jonah. See, in in Jonah 2, like I said, it's easy when we read through the book of Jonah in like a read through the bible year plan to skip Jonah 2 and to wonder all about this prayer and but here's what i don't want us to miss no matter where you are god has not forgotten you no matter what you're praying or asking for god does hear no matter how cold dark and awful it gets God answers in our distress. So I don't know where you are today, but I want to encourage us as we just take a moment before we sing one last song. I want to give us just a moment, just right where you are, that maybe you've held back in, in your prayers to God, maybe you've held back in your distress, but I want to give you a moment to just bring to God your distress. The things that maybe you're holding on to, that maybe maybe for you you've been like Jonah, where you've just been silent to God, where you've just said, God, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm just so angry about what's going on. God patiently and graciously waits. It's right where you are. Just take a moment and say, God, here is my distress. And trust and know that He'll answer.